Good evening, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer list. And we want to thank you for hanging in there and waiting on us. We, we apologize for the delay this evening. As you can tell, I'm on a different system right now because my main system was uh, having some technical difficulties. But thanks be to God, we were able to come on a different way. So thank you for joining us and for waiting uh, patiently while we got things worked out. Amen. Good to see everybody on tonight. Thank you again for waiting on us and, and waiting in the room. Who do we have in the room? We got Jerome Hawkins who waited on us. God bless you. Thank you. It's Mother Sexton. God bless you. Good to see you, Mother Sexton. Helen Luster is with us on this evening. God bless you, Sister Luster. Uh, Brother Stevenson, God bless you. You've been reimagining. Amen. God bless you. Sister Stewart, God bless you, Sister Stewart. Good to see you this evening. Mother Curry is with us as well. Amen. Glory be to God. Josephine Bronson is in the house. God bless you. Thank you so much again for, for staying with us and sticking with us. This hasn't, hasn't happened in a long time, but you know, technology being what it is, every now and then you'll have a hiccup. Uh, but thanks be to God, you all are here. Listen, go ahead and share this with your neighbor and your friend. Let them know that you are here and we are here. If they logged on and see us, 
Let them know the log back on. We are in the house, ready to get started in the word on tonight. Amen. Diane Snow is with us. Amen. God bless you. Linda Butler is with us. Amen. God bless you, Sister Butler. Paula T. JSU. I hear you, JSU. What was it? 61 to 15? Was that? Uh, my goodness, y'all just went in with a vengeance this last time, last game. Faye Foster is with us. God bless you, Sister Foster. Patrick, Br Pat Bridgman. Good to see you, brother. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Pat. Marie Divinity is with us on this evening. God bless you. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. Listen, let's have a word of prayer right now as we get started in the word on tonight. Father in heaven, we are thankful and we are grateful for this day and for this time together, for you being the great God that you are. God, we bless you and we give you glory and honor. We thank you for allowing us to gather here tonight. And though we are delayed, we have not been denied. And so thank you, Lord, that uh, in and through it all, you make the way for us. Lord, we pray now your blessings upon uh, upon this time together as we get into the study of your word. We pray, oh God, that you would open our eyes and give us insight, wisdom, and understanding. Direct us by your Holy Spirit and your holy presence, oh God. Be with us. You are Emmanuel. Thank you, God, that you dwell with us, that you reside with us, and that your presence, in your presence, there is love, there is joy, and there is peace. We bless you and we love you and thank you for we declare it to be done now in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior in Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Well, listen, we, we want to continue. We are talking about, amen, we are talking about um, reimagining. We've been talking about reimagining uh, for the last few weeks. Tonight, I want to I want to begin uh, a, a lesson by this lesson by asking a question. Um, have you ever found yourself? Have you ever found yourself to be um, jealous, um, envious, looking at something that someone else has and seeing it? and wanting it for yourself. Can anybody relate to that? If you can't, I'll start. I'll start. I'll start. Yeah, um, jealousy is one of those things that I promise you, it can, it can sneak up on you before you know it. And, um, and you got to be careful of jealousy because Jealousy is 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 one of those sins. It's 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 the one of the seven deadly sins the Bible calls it. And if you are not careful, I mean that thing will will get in you, will fester there, and before you know it, it will start you down a road and down a path that isn't just no good. And 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 I believe I know the reason why. I believe I know the reason why jealousy is such a deadly sin. Because jealousy, I believe, is the original sin. It's the sin that Lucifer, uh, Satan, committed when he was still an archangel in heaven. Remember, it was... It was jealousy that got him kicked out. It was jealousy. Lucifer was jealous of God and God's power and 
God's might and all that God had. And, and even though Lucifer was, was a bad dude in heaven, I mean, he was the, the archangel. He was the prince of worship and praise in heaven. He, he was a beautiful creature in heaven. But even with everything that he had, because God had more, Lucifer became jealous and he got kicked out. Anybody with me tonight? You got to watch jealousy because jealousy is straight from the heart of the devil. If you find yourself becoming envious or jealous of, of, of someone or someone close to you or someone far away, you need to check that real fast because there's nothing in, in that that is of God. But I'll admit, I'll admit, I've, I've, I have found myself, um, and not proud of it, <laughs> but I have found myself every now and then looking at something and wanting it for myself. I, I, um, I was visiting with with one of my um, classmates recently. Well, not recently, but recent enough. But I was visiting one of my classmates and um, was noticing uh, how blessed this classmate was with the house uh, that, that they lived in. And, and I will admit, I looked at that house and I was like, oh, my God. And I found myself asking myself, Lord, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Not proud of that moment, but. Yeah, it's one of those times when you look and you 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 try to figure out how can I get what they have cuz that looks good to me. Now I know none of you, none of you, none of you have ever felt like that. I know you got jealousy on on lock. Um but but for some of you, for some of us, we will admit that we've been on our Facebook page, we've been on our Instagram, we've been on social media and there have been things that we have looked at of our friends. Uh, you saw your friend with a with a certain bag or or ladies, you saw your girlfriend with a haircut. Uh, amen. You saw you saw the vacation that they were on. You saw whatever it was. Amen. And and and, you know, you know that at that moment, even though uh, you may have felt good for that person, you may have even typed in the comment. You look good, girl or or do you balling or that's I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, but but a little bit later on, you started wondering yourself, man, I wish. What did they do to get that? I know. I know. OK. OK. You don't have to admit to it, but but it's there. So tonight, 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 I want to help you and I want to help you get that that jealousy, that envy or even that maybe 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 jealousy is too strong of a word for you cuz you you don't like the idea of being jealous. So let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. Maybe you weren't jealous of what your neighbor had, but watch this. You were discontent with what you had. How about that? Is that better? You, you weren't jealous of what they had. But because of what they had, 
you were suddenly or certainly discontent with what you had. Now, you might agree with that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that sounds a little bit better. I want to help you even with that. I want to help you even with that. I want to talk to you tonight about reimagining a content life. Reimagining a content, a content life. The book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 13. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 uh, through 13. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. And, and even before I read this, I want you to understand. Well, no, let's read it first. And then I'll give you the context. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of want. I love this. <laughs> he says, not, not that I want anything. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Look back at verse 11 again. Verse 11 says, look, not that I speak in respect of want. Now, understand the context for this writing. When Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he is writing from jail. He's in prison. And he, he, writes, he writes to this church, because they have they have been a blessing to him. They have sent him uh, love offering and gift and 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 what Paul says here is, listen. I want you to understand, though I'm grateful and thankful for the gift that you have sent me, I want you to understand that I'm not sitting here discontent. I'm not in even though I'm in jail. I'm not discontent. Not that he says, not that I speak, speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. He says, if I'm in jail or if I'm free, I've learned to be content. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna talk tonight about reimagining contentment because I think sometimes. We can use that word and we can um, think about what it means to be content. And sometimes we might get off on the wrong on the wrong track. So let's talk a little bit first about what contentment is not. OK. What contentment is not. First of all, contentment is not an excuse for laziness. Contentment is not an excuse for laziness. Contentment is not an excuse for apathy. I say that because, you know, there, there's some people who, who, um, you know, decide, well, you know, I have what I have and this, this is, this, this is what it is. And this is all it's going to be. So what's the use of trying 
for anything else, anything other than what I have, right? And so uh, there is this sort of laziness that sets in. There is this apathy that sets in. There is this sort of, you know, um, no will to do anything else other than what you've done. And that's, that's not content. Don't confuse laziness with contentment. Help me somebody. Don't confuse laziness with contentment. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. The, 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 listen, listen. He says, listen. Don't live a life of laziness and try to cover it up in the language of contentment. Good God, I'm a. That, that was good, y'all. Don't live a life of laziness and try to dress it up in the language of contentment. No, no, call it what it is. If, if you're not getting up and, and trying your best and doing your best and putting your best foot forward and, and trying to uh, make things, make life better or, or your situation better, don't call that contentment. Just call that what it is, that's laziness. Help me, somebody. So contentment is not an excuse for laziness. Whatever your hand finds to do, the Bible says, do it with all your might. Okay? What contentment is not? Contentment also is not an excuse to remain in sin. Contentment is not an excuse to remain in sin. You got you got some people who will who will decide, you know what? Um but it's just, watch this. You've heard this before. That's just how I am, <laughs> right? Or that's just who I am. Or, 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 or watch this. That runs in my family, right? And, and suddenly you just decide, you know what? I'm not going to fight this. That's just in my blood. That's in my DNA. That's just how I was raised. That's just what I know, right? And you suddenly start making an excuse for sin and settling for sin and becoming content with your sin. Yeah, contentment is not an excuse for settling in and being comfortable in sin. Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are all, we also are compassed about. With so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The, the, the writer here says, listen, put sin down. There, there's no reason for you to watch this, to be holding on to sin and claiming it as just a part of who you are and then being content with it and getting OK with the sin that you commit. Well, my daddy did and my granddaddy did and my mama was like this. My grandmama was like this. This is just something that runs it. My uncle, my, my auntie, this is just something that's in my family. Nope. 
Nope. Quit being content with sin. Quit being lazy with sin and growth. And that's the next one I want to talk about. Contentment is not an excuse to, to quit growing or maturing. That is, that is not what it means by being content. Contentment is not being okay with just where you are in your faith walk and, and deciding that you're not going to grow anymore or deciding you aren't going to mature beyond this point. You should not be content. Let me help you with this. You, you should not be you should not be able to look at your life, look at your faith and determine that you are there. That's exactly what Paul talks about in our in our in our uh, thematic scripture. He says, not that I've apprehended. He says, I'm not there yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, he says, I'm not there yet. And none of us is there yet. None of us is there yet. All of us should continue to grow, should continue to, to develop, should see some area, some point, some space in our life where there is room and opportunity and a need for growth. Help me, somebody. So 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3 and 18, Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow what? Grow in grace. You ought to type, don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. Don't stop maturing. You still have some growing left to do. You still have some faith that is yet to develop. You still have some maturity that is yet to to, to, to come into manifestation in your life. Don't stop growing. If you still lie, you got some growing to do. If you still look at your neighbor and want what they have and covet, you've got some growing to do. If you still curse every now and then, you got some growing to do. If you still hold on to what you believe the Spirit of God is telling you to release and let go of, you've got some growing to do. Amen. Don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. Contentment, lastly, is not an excuse not to practice good stewardship. <coughs> Excuse me. Contentment is not an excuse not to practice good stewardship. Some sometimes um, you might you might see someone or you might be that person who who um, decides, OK, um, the Lord uh, gave me this. I'm going to be content with what he gave me. And and just let that be that. And don't you know, Jesus tells a parable against that very thing when he tells a parable of the faithful steward. That parable is about using what God has given you so that it grows and becomes even more. That you don't sit on your talent. You don't simply bury it and, and then give it back to the Lord, but that you invest it, you use it, you practice good stewardship of what God has given you. 
So so what God has given you in finances, what God has given you in terms of ability and capability, what God has given you in terms of talent, what God has given you in whatever resources, that you aren't just content with it just being what it is, but that you want to practice good stewardship of what God has given you so that he can say of you, as he said to the faithful servant, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You got to grow. Grow in your in your maturity as a believer, but grow in your stewardship. Grow in your stewardship. Use what God has given you, amen, to the best of your ability so that it not only blesses you, but that it blesses those around you. First Peter 4 and 10. 1 Peter 4 and 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever gift God has given you, whatever gift you have received, you ought to be a good steward of the gift. And contentment is not simply resting on or burying the gift. You got to stir up. I wish I had a Bible reader in here. Stir up the gift that God has given you. Steward the gift that God has given you. Don't just sit on it and bury it, but use it to the best of your ability, to the glory of God, that it would bless you and spill over into the lives of those around you. All right. So that's what contentment is not. Can we talk a little bit about what contentment is? What contentment is? Here's, here's some things, a few things what contentment is. Number one, contentment is submission to God's will. Submission to the will of God. Humble submission to the will of God is what contentment looks like. It is, it is coming to the place where the will of God, the determinations of God, the decisions of God are those things that you are willing to accept and surrender to. Um, hmm, yeah, I, I'm gonna try to teach this for a minute. Submitting to God's will represents the best of what contentment looks like. It's when, it's when it's when you pray and you pray again and you pray again and the Lord gives you his answer. Contentment is humble submission to God's answer. 
Now, there is a place for persistence. Don't get me wrong. Jesus tells a parable about um, the persistent widow who went day after day uh, to the wicked judge's courtroom to ask for what she wanted. She went day after day after day until her presence there wearied him. And the wicked judge sent message saying, give this lady whatever she wants because she wearies me with her presence. Jesus tells that parable to make the point that we should be persistent in our prayer lives. For he says, if a wicked judge will give to this woman that which she asks, how much more would a righteous God bless his children with the things for which they persistently ask by faith. So there is a reason, there is a biblical principle and precedence for persistence. But there is also the place for mature believers to practice contentment when God has spoken. When God has spoken. Contentment is saying, I trust the determinations of my father. Contentment is saying, I know that God knows better than I do. And therefore, I will trust God's answer. Contentment is saying, I understand that I cannot see what God sees. I don't know what God knows. I can't do what God does. All of that is well above my pay grade. And so rather than fuss and fight with God because my arms are too short to box with God, rather than fuss and fight with him, I've got to learn how to humbly submit myself. To what God says. I'm, I'm talking about mature believers now. See, because um, you know, we, we have to be careful about, about how we use faith sometimes. Uh, because there, there's some there's some teachers, some preachers who will who will teach you and preach to you that, you know, if you've got enough faith. Um, that 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 you can, you know, almost uh, manipulate the will of God. You can you can you can get from God what you want. 
Um, but Christian maturity is coming to the place of recognizing that faith is not to get my way. Faith is to help me be content with God's will. So, 1 Corinthians 1 and 25. 1 Corinthians 1 and 25 says, because foolishness of God is wiser than man, men. That, that right there is all I want to look at. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. That, what I'm saying to you is this. Even on your best day, <laughs> your intellect is no match for God. God's foolishness is wiser than our best thoughts, which means that if I'm his child, I need to trust in the judgments and the wisdom and the determinations of my father because his foolishness is better than my wisdom. Did you get that? I say his foolishness is, is better than man's wisdom. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. And you kind of know, you, you, prob you probably know this verse. You probably know this verse. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, listen, I'm way ahead of you and way above you. And it would be better for you rather than trying to manipulate uh, the masterful hand of God rather than trying to twist the sovereign arm of God, it would be better for you to rest and be content in the thoughts and the plans of God who sees more, who knows more, who understands more than we ever could. Contentment is getting to the place where you say, I believe, God knows what's best for me. Even if I can't see it, even if I don't understand it, if this is God's will, I will humbly submit to it. All right? That's what contentment is. He says, I've learned how to be content. Paul is saying, listen, I don't want to be in jail. <laughs> and when you get a chance, you ought to read, you ought to read the first chapter of Philippians. Because in, 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 in that first chapter is where you'll see Paul talking about being in jail or in bonds. That's the language that he uses that he uses. Uh, he talks about being in chains or in bonds and saying that his being in bonds was for the furtherance of the gospel. And so he's even learned that even though he was put in jail. He saw 
how that worked for the benefit of the spread of the gospel. He says, I didn't want it, but it was God's will. And I've learned how to be content in stuff that I don't understand. I've learned how to be content knowing that God is going to use it for his glory and for my good. I've learned how to be content even with things that I don't that don't feel good, things that I don't enjoy. I've learned how to be content believing that God will use it for his glory and for my good. All right. Number two, what contentment is? Secondly, contentment is the acceptance of God's provisions. Contentment is accepting God's provisions. This is really what Paul talks about in our in our text that we read earlier in Philippians 4, uh, verses 11, 12, and 13. Um, he says, I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound. He says, I, I've learned how to be content in lack or in surplus. I've learned how to be content with what I have, with what I don't have. I've learned how to be content. Um, and I said, I, as I started out this this lesson, one of the one of the one of the things that breeds discontent is looking at your neighbor's stuff. One of the things that breeds discontent is comparing what you have to what someone else has. If you're going to be content, you've got to start looking at your own life and reimagining it as being enough. Reimagine the provisions that God has given as being enough for where you are, for what you need. Now, listen, this does not mean that we shouldn't have any goals. This does not mean that we should not uh, pursue um, uh, visions and dreams that we've established. This does not mean that we should not uh, have some markers, some mile markers up ahead and, and things that we're shooting for and pushing for. But it does mean that I can be thankful for the things for which the Lord has given me. I can be thankful for the stuff that God has brought into my life. I can be thankful and content. I mean, look, I, I, I still have goals, but watch this. If I don't ever get those things, I'm content with what God is, how God has blessed me. How, how God has blessed me. If I don't ever get another blessing, I'm content with what he's done. First Timothy six, first Timothy six, verse eight. And having food and raiment, let us there, let us be there with what? Content. Paul says, look, if you got food and clothing, you ought to be happy. 
if you got food and clothing, you you ought to, good God Almighty, do you understand how many folk don't have food and clothing? Do you understand how many folk don't have basic needs? Do you understand how many people are sleeping under bridges? Paul says, if you got food, if you got clothing, and let me just expand that, if you've got the basic necessities of life, you ought to tell God, thank you right now. You ought to tell God, thank you right now. And you ought to confess and ask for forgiveness for the sin of discontentment. You ought to be thankful right now. Paul says, if you got food and clothing and you walking around with your lip poked out because you don't have the latest bag or you don't drive the biggest car, or you don't live in the greatest neighborhood. Shame on us. Shame on us. First Thessalonians 5 and 18. First Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything, do what? Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Let me say it like this for everything, for every blessing that God has given you, give thanks. You understand how many people right now are trying to figure out how they're gonna get their next meal? Trying to figure out right now how they're going to stay in their house. Trying to figure out right now, look, for everything you have, food, clothing, shelter, you better be like Paul and say, I've learned how to be content in whatsoever state I am. And you ought to tell God right now, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm 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 sorry. You ought to you ought to ask God for forgiveness right now. You ought to confess that you were wrong right now. Last thing, last thing, and I'm through for tonight. Contentment is accepting the consequences for doing right accepting the consequences for doing right. See, here, here, here's the thing that we don't always preach or do a good job of preaching. That is that doing right will get you in trouble too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Do it. Doing wrong will get you in trouble, but yeah, but so will doing right. 
there are some consequences of doing right. Things you 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 will you will lose friends for doing right. You will miss out on some invitations for doing right. You will not be promoted for doing right. You might not get a raise for doing right. Oh yeah, there, there, there are some consequences that come for doing right. And contentment is getting to the place where you are okay with those consequences. Where you recognize, you know what? If that's the price that I have to pay for doing right, then I'm okay with that. If I don't get promoted because I had some ethics, I'm okay with that. If I don't get the raise because I didn't do wrong, I'm okay with that. If I don't get invited to be a part of this group or to join this club or to go to this function because I had some morals and I didn't participate in the gossip or in all of that other stuff that was good. If, if, if that's the consequence of me doing right, then I'm content with that. Help me somebody. And contentment is getting to a place where you recognize, you know what? I'm not supposed to be in all circles anyway. There's some circles that I'm not supposed to be in. There's some groups I'm not supposed to be associating with. And listen, and all money is not good money. Amen, lights. Second Corinthians 12 and 10. Second Corinthians 12 and 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. What? For Christ's sake. Paul says, listen, if, if, if I'm going to be reproached, if I'm going to be persecuted, if there's going to be distress in my life, if it's for the sake of Christ, then I'll take pleasure in it. I'll be content with that. If, if I'm being done wrong because I was doing right, then I'm okay with that. If, if I'm being mistreated because I was treating folk well, then I'm okay with that. If, 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 if I'm overlooked because I made sure somebody else got their just due, right? Or got their, got the, got the attention that they should have. I'm okay with that. Contentment and watch this and watch this. Here's how, you know, when you're matured as a Christian, when you're really content, and you can really celebrate others and you not have to get any of the glory. 
when you can really push others out front and you be okay in the background. Help me somebody. And you not really be jealous of that limelight. That's when you know you've grown as a believer, when you can be content in the background, when you can be content without the light shining on you, without the attention on you, and others can receive the glory and you can push others on and really be happy for their success, really be happy for, for what they are doing and how God is using them. My God today. All right, last verse, 2 Timothy 3 and 12. You know it, 2 Timothy 3 and 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen. You got to know this. If you're going to be if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Part part of that reality is that you're going to have a cross. Part of that reality is that you're going to have a cup from which you're going to have to drink. Part of that reality is that you're going to have a thorn in your side. You will suffer persecution. If a man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It comes, it's part of the plan. You can't be a Christian without a cross. You can't be a disciple and not have a cup to drink. Hello, somebody. It's, it's part of it. And contentment is accepting the cross, accepting the cup, accepting the thorn that comes with having made a decision to follow Christ and to be like Christ. You you signed up for it when you said, Lord, I believe. You signed up for it. And contentment is recognizing that that's just part of being a believer. You're going to have some darts thrown. You're going to have some bricks thrown at you. You're going to have some people who are going to misunderstand you. You're going to have some people who are going to purposefully try to uh, sabotage you and your work. But you remain Christ-like. Love them. Pray for them. Bless them. Do all of the things that you know that are right to do. And God will do the rest. God will keep his hands upon you. God will cover and keep you. Amen, somebody. And watch this. Let me let me stop here. Contentment is recognizing you don't have to pay evil back. I said I was going to stop, but but that that felt good right there. Contentment is recognizing that you don't have to get revenge. Contentment is understanding that you don't have to pay anybody back. 
Contentment is putting it and putting them in God's hands and saying, Lord, whatever you do and however you decide, I'm all right with that. However you want to handle that situation, the wrong that's being done to me, however you want to handle that, God, I'm taking my hands off you, and I'm putting it completely in your hands. And I'm content knowing that whatever you do is going to be all right. I'm through, y'all. But my soul is happy on that. I'm I'm through, y'all. But that that's what contentment is. Contentment is knowing that it is well with your soul. Whatever you decide, God, I'm okay with that. Amen. 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 And amen. God bless you. Listen, we we were late getting on, so I'm not gonna hold you longer. Amen. Because of our technical difficulties. God bless you again. Thank you so much uh, for for hanging in there with us. I pray that this has been a word uh, that has blessed you and that will bless you. And I pray uh, that in your life, you will experience contentment, the contentment uh, of of the father, the contentment of his presence in your life, the contentment of knowing uh, that, that God knows what's best for us and that you don't have to do anything uh, to, to, to avenge yourself, uh, that God is well able uh, to keep you uh, in his hands and to protect you uh, from, from harm and danger. Let's pray tonight. Father in heaven, how grateful, how thankful we are that you are the able God and thankful that you are with us forevermore. God, we ask your blessings upon us. And Father, right now we pray a prayer of confession, recognizing, oh God, that there have been so many areas in our lives where we have been discontent. There have been moments when we have been jealous, moments when we have been envious of how you have blessed those around us, wishing that blessing upon ourselves. God, right now, we confess that to you and ask you to forgive us, for we recognize that jealousy is of the enemy and it has no place in our lives. God, we want to thank you for the blessings that you give to us. Right now, we look at our lives as complete blessings for the food and the shelter and the clothing that you have given to us. God, right now, we say thank you. Sometimes we act as if it is not enough. But God, right now in this moment, with this presence of mind, to be content, God, we say thank you. And Lord, when we would look at others and want for ourselves more than you've given us already, God, remind us how to be content, how to be thankful how to glorify you in all things and to give thanks in all things. God, we pray your blessings upon those who struggle with accepting your will when that is a difficult will to accept sometimes. 
your decisions, though we know they are best, sometimes they don't feel good for us at the moment. And so, God, I pray for those who struggle to accept your will. I pray for those who struggle to be content in your determinations. God, I pray that you give us that strength to know that what you have declared and what you have determined, those things ultimately will work for your glory and for our good. Now, God, as we go from this place, let us never depart from your spirit. We love you and we ask it to be done now. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good night. Go in peace.